school. I've never had background music like this before. Okay, so we're here and uh, we better pray. Lord, we just come before you. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be here tonight with uh, the love of our life, Lord God. Um, thank you so much, Lord, for blessing us uh, with a spouse. And Lord, we just pray that you would use this time as we get to get into your word, Lord. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, and that this night would truly be a life-changing night for all of us, Lord, uh, myself included, Father. Lord, I ask for your forgiveness of my sins, and I just pray, Lord, that your spirit would allow us to hear your voice. Speak to us, Lord. Bless these guys and these gals here tonight. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's uh, kind of a marriage fellowship. Um, it's Valentine's Day. Um, if you want to, you can kiss your spouse right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Unless you're, you know, <laughs> okay, now everybody, I want you to get up and let's dance. <laughs> I love to see Jesse and Maria dance. They're they're very. Good. <laughs> I have no rhythm whatsoever, and so Shelly and I, every once in a while, we slow dance at home. And I hope you guys do that at your house. You slow dance with your with your wife. Um, but tonight, um, I'm really, really excited about uh, being able to be here. Uh, uh, Joey had asked me to share tonight, and uh, it's been a while, I think, since I've shared explicitly a, a message on, on marriage. I think we did a series uh, maybe about three or four years ago on marriage, and uh, you know I, I kind of weave it into every study. I, I just basically say, hey, be good husbands, be good wives. I try to encourage you guys in that. But tonight we get to kind of dive into it a little bit more uh, deeply, a little bit more explicitly, and so that's a, a major, major blessing. Uh, you know, I got married in 1992 uh, to my lovely wife, Shelly. And uh, I believe it or not, I started doing, I think, marriage counseling a couple years later. I don't know how they would let us do that. But somehow we ended up doing marriage counseling in Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs. We were involved in the marriage ministry there for several years. After that, we went on to Calvary Christian Fellowship in West Covina for seven years, you know, doing marriage counseling, um, doing weddings. Uh, even now in Almani, you know, the Lord has blessed me with the privilege of being involved in that for so many years. And so that means that Shelly and I have the perfect marriage. <laughs> now you know I'm lying, right? Um, the, the problem is there's no perfect marriages um, on this side of time because we're not there yet. But whatever you do, don't let that discourage you. Don't let that... Um, warp your mind into thinking that marriage uh, should be something that it's not. Um, don't accept that. Don't accept any low standard in your life. Um, God wants you to be an excellent husband. And God wants you to be an absolutely excellent wife. And God, by this Holy Spirit, can radically transform our life. You know, we have a relationship with God. And that's the priority in life. But after that, after your relationship with God, second in life is your relationship with your spouse. 
And it's so important that that right there is a priority, is the priority in life. You know, then come the kids, you know, that's a third. But, but first, God, then your spouse. So we're here tonight. We had a great dinner, but we're not going to let you off the hook. How's your marriage? How are you doing as a husband? How are you doing as a wife? All of us here have room for improvement, and a lot of you here today, and you know, I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm trying to pick on anybody, but there's a lot of people here who are really struggling in their marriage. It's nothing as far as what it should be, and God wants to, God wants to clean house. I believe He wants to do a new work. I believe He wants to do a great work in our life. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you guys to invest in your marriages, continue to come to things like this. We have a class, as a matter of fact, that we're offering at the church. Uh, it's a six-week class on marriage. It's Saturday night to 6 o'clock if you can make it. Especially if you've never taken a class on marriage, I would encourage you to take that class. Um, marriage is not very complicated when it comes to the scriptures. There's some staple scriptures and truths. But it can be tough because God's going to call you to die to yourself. And so I really encourage you guys to invest into your marriage. And this evening I want to share with you out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, if you have your Bible, I guess what might be considered an unorthodox message, because I'm kind of a a weird person sometimes. Um, You know, if you go to the Bible, you can read Genesis chapter 2. And you study verses 18 through 25, and that'll be your origin of marriage. You can study the Song of Solomon, and I pray that you would together. And that will uh, show you the love of marriage. Malachi chapter 2, Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 3. Those are the staple scriptures in the Bible regarding marriage. It's not a whole bunch of them. There's a lot of other precepts and principles that we apply, but those are what are considered the staple scriptures. But tonight I want to kind of go outside of those. I was really praying, Lord, what do you want me to share tonight? You know, I really asked God and and he just kept bringing me back to Luke chapter 10. And there's a couple of reasons, I think, as we look at our text today, and that we'll see why. Because here in Luke chapter 10... We begin reading in verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you shall live. The lawyer was the expert in the law. And this certain lawyer right here, the scriptures tell us, wanted to test Jesus. He wanted to see if Jesus agreed with him on a very core question of the day. And so he says there, notice again in verse 25, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a very important question. What shall you do to inherit eternal life? 
The lawyer, however, wasn't really interested in Jesus' answer to get an answer. He just said, I know the answer. Let's just see if Jesus knows the answer. Let's see if he agrees with me. You know, and there's a lot of questions like that. People oftentimes don't want to know. They just want to know if you agree with them. But little did this little lawyer know, this expert in the law, that Jesus was the writer of the law. Jesus was the substance of the law. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. But Jesus played along with him. You know, he knew how it would end. And so he said, you know, you're an expert in the law. You read it. You know it. What's your interpretation of it? What do you get when you read it? And the lawyer answered in verse 27 right here. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Deuteronomy 6.5. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18. And so in verse 28, Jesus essentially said, good, if you do that, it shows that you have life. It proves that you live. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself, this is what we see tonight. Most of us here know that these are the two greatest commandments in the Bible. Most of us here know that upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We see that again in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. And there in the Gospels, it was Jesus who summed up the answer to the question, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And very simple. God says, really, really love God. And really, really, really love your neighbor as yourself. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, okay, Manny, um, I hear what you're saying. But Manny, I know most of these people here and they're already Christians. And this is not an evangelism dinner. This is a Valentine's dinner. By the grace of God, I've already inherited eternal life. Right. You're right about that. But here's the thing. Here we see Jesus in all reality is not talking about how you get it, but what happens when you get it. That if you're really a Christian, that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. You know, we know that we're saved by grace through faith, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We know that salvation takes place, not when you go to church. Salvation takes place when you repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, we know that's the way it works. And just in case, I don't know for sure, but just in case there is anyone here today who doesn't know the Lord, you're not a Christian, this is where it starts. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and maybe you're having marriage issues or you're having marriage problems or you just know that your marriage is not what it should be. If you want God to bless your marriage, if you want God to bless your life, this is where it starts. You've got to give your life to Jesus Christ. You've got to surrender to him. And as you do, you receive his love and God begins to work in your life. 
But now, after receiving that love, God wants you to begin to live in that love, to reciprocate that love, and to reflect that love. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight. That really is the heart of marriage. Now, why do we have marriage problems? Because people don't love God. That's why. Why do we struggle the way that we struggle? And why do we butt heads? And why do we argue? Why is it that myself as a pastor, I have to meet with couples that have committed adultery? Still today it goes on. I still meet with couples. Why? Because people don't love God. And it's got to begin. If you want to work on your marriage relationship, you've got to begin to work on your relationship with God. See, that's where it starts. And we're going to see that tonight as we get into our text. See, God wants you to live in that love and to reciprocate that love. You know, if you take the classes, you're going to learn a lot about marriage. And, you know, I know in Genesis chapter 2, you have that foundational truth for all marriages. Quoted in Matthew 19 and Mark chapter 10 and... You know, you maybe say, I know that foundational truth. I studied the Hebrew. I studied the Greek. Okay. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, listen, I know the function of marriage. I've read 10 books on it to glorify God and have companionship with my best friend. I know about the foundation of marriage and the function of marriage. Or maybe you're here today and you say, I know about the fiber of marriage, the importance of communication. Manny, we have date nights. We talk heart to heart and... Maybe you're here today and you say, I know the features of marriage. I know the roles and responsibilities that husbands have and wives have. I know all that. And you know, to know all those things is great. And to read 150 books is great. And go to 150 classes is great. But do you have the fire of marriage? I'll call it the fire of marriage. Is there really the love for God and the love for each other. You know, there's no leaving and cleaving without love. There's no real commitment or communication without love. Husbands will not die for their wives, and wives will not live for their husbands if there is not love. And that's why it's so important that we understand this study tonight. We see the two greatest commandments are to love. It shows you have eternal life when you love. And so that should be my life with my wife. It's got to be love. You know, we're going to see as we go through our study tonight, just to kind of give you a, a little a, a heads up, so you kind of know it really is about marriage, and I think it really is about some of the things that we're going through in life, is that when your relationship with the Lord is right, that vertical relationship, then your horizontal relationships will fall in place as well. And that's why, you know, whenever you do marriage counseling, or whenever you talk to people about maybe struggles they have, you have to begin with their relationship with the Lord, but then after that, there's the love that we need to have for the spouse. So we're going to see that later. The second commandment, Jesus will even illustrate it with a story called the Good Samaritan. In which this man sees a, a, a man who supposedly is his enemy. And sometimes we even think our spouse is our enemy. 
Sometimes we even think that our spouse is against us. They're not really for us. Just like a Jew would see a Samaritan. But even then, even if you saw them that way, or if you perceived them in that light, would you still love them? Would you as a husband be her hero? You know, would you as a wife, even though, you know, he doesn't deserve it, he doesn't put his socks in the hamper, or whatever it might be, you know, don't you know that God gave you to your husband as a wife because he needs you? That's how it all started. Remember back in Genesis chapter 2? God said, man, this guy Adam, he's not doing good. It's not good that he should be alone. I will make him a helper. And I want to share with you tonight that the spouse that you have sitting next to you or across from you, this individual that God has given to you as the greatest gift outside of salvation, yes, they are the greatest gift given to you outside of salvation, that God wants to use you God wants to use him for her and her for him to rescue each other. To rescue each other. And I want you to see your spouse like that. No matter how bad you might think they are or how bad you might think he is or she is, don't lose that vision that God wants to use you to help them. And we're going to see that when we really begin to look at love. You know, not too long ago, I shared from the pulpit there at church, and I addressed the single people of the congregation. And I said, hey, if you guys aren't married, then, you know, you shouldn't be living together anymore. And it's kind of cool. One of the guys told me today that someone actually went out and got married, which I don't know if I would have counseled them to do that, because sometimes that's not the best thing to do. But still... God was stirring things up. And I said, hey, you know, you can't just come to church and live together. I was addressing the single people, but today I'm addressing the married people. And I want to tell you the same thing. You can't just live together. That's not what marriage is. It's not just living together. It's not just being roommates. It's about being soulmates. And I'm telling you right now that God wants to do a new work, a radically life-changing work. And so what do you say, Manny? Should I move out? No. Don't move out. Don't shout it out. Don't pout it out. Tonight, God wants you to begin to work it out. All those things that some of you here have swept under the carpet. And you've never dealt with those issues. Do you think that life's going to get better? Do you think that your marriage is going to get better without dealing with these issues? No way. We need to deal with these issues. And so I was really praying, Lord, what do you want me to teach to these beautiful couples? After all, this is not just a church service. They're even paying money for this. And I was like, Lord, help. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the Lord just kept bringing me back here for what I believe are very, some very important reasons. You know, we here, uh, Joey and Cindy, they oversee the marriage ministry. Myself as a pastor, 
I'm not lying to you when I tell you this, that we want God to bless your life. And we want your marriages to be wonderful. You know, God wants to use your marriage to glorify Him and be a witness to the world. God wants to bless your marriage so you can be compas with each other. God wants you to be a godly husband and a godly wife so you can raise godly children. See? God wants to bless your marriage. And so the Lord just kept bringing me back to Luke chapter 10. The first thing we see is that we need to love God. You know, all of us here have some sort of problems, some sort of pitfalls. For some, those problems are slowing you down. They're just slowing you down. They're just slowing you down. For others, those problems are weighing you down. They're weighing you down. They really are. For some of you, those problems are keeping you down. They're just keeping you down. And God wants to lift you up. You know, if you're having problems with your relationships, which are horizontal, then we need to work with our problem with God. And that we need to seek Him with everything that we are. And that's where we begin here in our text right here. We need to return. Every single individual here needs to return to their first love. And that is my relationship with God. You know, I'll be honest with you. I was having a really heart-to-heart conversation last night with my wife. You know, we went on our uh, another Valentine's dinner, but it was just her and me last night, and we were just talking heart-to-heart. And I was telling her, sweetheart, you know, um, man, there's so much going on in my life right now. There's so much going on in the ministry right now. Uh, we get so busy. And I was telling her, you know what, this morning in my in my prayer time with the Lord... I was really just really crying out to God. And I was saying, God, you know, I love the ministry. And I love my family. But God, I want to make sure that you are number one in my life. Because life can get so busy and we can lose sight of that. My relationship with God. Not just in the morning spending time with Him. For me, that's the best part of the day. But throughout the day, having my relationship with Him as my priority. And this is where we need to start, you guys. I want to encourage you in your personal relationship with God. Husbands, men, you need to know that wise men still seek Him. And wives... Ladies, you need to know that virtuous women, they still love Him. And that's the primary commandment in life. And that is the primary relationship for you. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. How are you doing in that, you know? I know for some of you ladies here, that might mean that you feed yourselves before you feed your husbands. And what I mean by that, okay, I'm not talking about chorizo con papas. What I'm talking about (laughs) is when you wake up in the morning, you spend time with the Lord. You know, you wake up and you spend time with God and you feed on the Word of God. And you spend time in prayer. And in all reality, it really isn't about feeding you. 
It's about loving Him. Making that the priority in your life. And of course, the same would apply to husbands. If you love God, you're going to get into His Word. You're going to listen. You're going to learn so that you might go out and live. You see, that's the priority. That takes seniority over anyone or anything else. To have that love relationship with the Lord. That's why when Jesus recommissioned Peter to be a pastor, what did he ask him? Did he say, Peter, do you love them? No. He said, Peter, do you love me? And that's why for us as husbands and for you as wives, the number one question is, do you love him? That's where it's got to begin. You know, that's why Jesus commissioned Peter in such a way with that primary question. And I hear Jesus asking me that same question. Manny, do you love me? Well, yeah, Lord, I've had this great emotional experience in Almani. I love you, Lord. I get this fuzzy feeling whenever we fellowship. I love you, Lord. And, you know, sometimes I think we don't even know what real love for God is. Yeah, I love God. Yeah, I love God. You do? Then do you obey Him? Because that's what loving God really means. John 14, 21. Jesus says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is He who loves me. You know, to obey the Lord. You know, the theme for this year, I know it doesn't rhyme with 2010, but I know for me, it's what does He have to say? Lord, how shall I pray? Give me a heart to obey. Okay, those rhyme. That's kind of cool. But what does he have to say? Lord, how shall I pray? Lord, give me that heart to obey. Because that's what loving God means. Oh, you're here today and you're thinking, well, Manny, I'm not perfect. Well, Manny, you know, I can't do it all the time. You know what? You don't know who lives inside of you then. God lives in you. And God can give you a greater consistency in your conduct. You got to believe that. You got to know that. You got to know that loving God means obeying God. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. You know, when I first met Shelly, I remember, man, the way she made my stomach feel. You know, I couldn't eat. I lost weight. <laughs> you know, um, a song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. What is it in a kiss that makes me feel like this? Whoa, whoa. seriously man I mean you know I mean think about it okay you know I'm not messing around man when you kissed her for the first time I mean oh man you were like you know oh you were floating and and you know talking on the phone for hours it wasn't a problem and just wanting to be together all the time what happened to that And yet at the same time, we know that that's not real love, huh? That's kind of puppy love. That's kind of maybe infatuation. It's probably some type of a chemical explanation. I don't know. But 
that's not real love. And I need to tell you this, man, because you know how important it is to love God. I mean, you, you would probably say, yeah, on the Richter scale, I'm sure that's high. Then you got to obey him. You got to obey him. He says, pray, what do you do? Pray, man. He says, get up out of bed. You get up out of bed and you read your Bibles. If he tells you to pray with your wife, guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be praying with your wife. Well, I don't like to. Too bad. He's God. You're not. He tells you to read your Bible with your wife. That's what you do. He gives you the marching orders. You're not the one calling the shots. That is, if you love God. You know, sometimes when we get together with married couples and I do counseling with them, I tell them a couple of things. I say, number one, you got to want this. you got to want this. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. I pray you would want this. Because God wants to bless your life. Number two, I tell them this. you got to be honest. If we're going to sit here and do counseling and you're going to hide everything and you're not going to be transparent, forget about it. It's not going to work. And I believe the same thing is true for us when it comes to the Lord. You've got to want it. You've got to make sure that you're not pretending like everything's okay when in all reality, it's not. This is so important. To love the Lord is not just a fuzzy feeling when we fellowship. It's not an emotional experience in Almani. It means you obey. That's what it means. Whoever keeps his word, 1 John 2, 5 says, Truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we know him. You know, maybe even if you want to, you can turn over to Luke 10. And you can go down to verse 38. And it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And... She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about many things. And one thing is needed. Mary has chosen that good thing which shall not be taken away from her. I just love the way that Mary loved the Lord. I just love the way that she wasn't distracted. She was focused on her Lord. And I want to encourage you guys today. We live in a crazy world now. We live in a crazy world that can get you so busy, even in the ministry. And if you need to step down from the ministry to spend time with the Lord, that's fine. If you need to make some type of radical change, take those spiritual scissors and cut out whatever you need to cut out of life to spend time with the Lord. And not just listen and learn, but then you go and you live. You see, we need to love the Lord and we need to love our neighbor. And believe it or not, this is what I wanted to spend more time on right here. To love our neighbor. 
Now, just in case you didn't know this, uh, the Bible commands uh, husbands to love their wives in Ephesians 5.25. And it commands wives to love their husbands in Titus chapter 2, verse 4. Although it uses a different Greek word within the context, uh, it's the same command. To love the Lord and to love our neighbor. And so look what happens here in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Notice what happens next in verse 30. Verse 29, it's talking about this lawyer right here. And it says, but he wanting to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down to Jerusalem in Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to and in and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. And so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. I really believe this can help our marriages. Maybe you're here and you have problems. This will help your marriage. Or maybe you're just here and you want to progress. This will help your marriage. Focusing first of all on your relationship with God. And then secondly on your relationship to your neighbor. And your spouse happens to be your closest neighbor, okay? Just in case you, you might be, well, we live in apartments right here next to this person right here. No, your spouse is your closest neighbor. And in looking at this whole thing about loving the neighbor, I think it's so cool because Jesus gave an illustration. If you would, let's read again verse 30. It says, And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Can you visualize that for a second? Use your imagination, okay? If you think about it, this is a pretty serious situation. To fall among thieves, to be stripped of your clothing, to be wounded, to be half dead it's a pretty serious situation maybe you can imagine yourself lying there you can't move you're in pain and more than likely those thoughts begin to flow through your mind I think I'm going to die there you are on the road you're in and out of consciousness but then you're awakened by sounds it sounds like someone's coming and sure enough, we read in verse 31, it 
It says, Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Here I am, lying on the road. I've fallen among thieves. They've stripped me of my clothes. I'm wounded. I'm half dead. And the priest just walks by? He's a priest. Doesn't he see me? How can he just walk by on the other side? And then your thoughts return. I think I'm going to die. But then you hear some more sounds. It sounds like someone else is coming. And sure enough, we read in verse 32, Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. First a priest, then a Levite. They both saw me, but they both passed by. Undoubtedly, they thought it was dangerous. They possibly thought it was too late. Maybe they were running late. Maybe they just were too busy to bother. In the back of their minds, they knew it might mean that they would become unclean. And you look at that, you would expect so much more from men who were supposed to be so close to God. Here we see Jesus uses the illustration to say that that's not what loving your neighbor means. Seeing this one that God has laid in your path, and I know you're busy, and it seems like we're always busy, and I know that he is bad, or she is bad, or they are bad. They shouldn't even have been in this situation to begin with. It seems beyond us. What difference can I make? Someone else will bother with it when you are the spouse. You're the spouse. God wants to use you to help them. And so many times, man, they've fallen among thieves. They've been stripped of their clothing. They're so deeply wounded. There they are, and they live with you. It's someone who in some ways sometimes is half dead. And we as spouses pass by on the other side. Listen, you guys, I'm going to share with you tonight, man. Rise up and realize that we can no longer pass by. Is your other half half dead? If so, what are you doing to make a difference? Busy people. People to see, places to go. Be so careful, man. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Isn't that so true? We can say that here in a marriage fellowship, huh? 
I tell you what, man, I love the body heat that my wife gives off, man. We get under those covers, and oh, man, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Seriously, man. You know, two lie down, oh, man, they can keep warm, right? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two are better than one. Why? Because when one falls down, there's the other to lift up his companion. You see, that's what love is. Again, look at love in verse 33. It says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, man, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Let me just share a few things real quick in closing. Looking at love like this. Remember, Jesus used this illustration for love. First of all, I see identification. Jesus, man, you know, he says, first the priest went by, then the Levite went by, and as this Jewish man is lying on the road, ready to die, a Samaritan comes by. Now, for those of you, most of you here probably know, the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies, right? I mean, they were just, I mean, we're talking like some rival gangs here, man. We're talking like, listen, I want you dead. I hate you. I despise you. They hated each other. They wouldn't even walk through their land. They would come nowhere near each other. But notice what happens. The Samaritan doesn't even, doesn't even go there. He doesn't even consider that. The Samaritan goes and he reaches out to the Jew. And I want to tell you something right now. And you need to know this. Because a lot of times within a marriage relationship... You know, and I'm not trying to make it look all bad because some of you here, you know, you get along. Okay? Some of you. <laughs> some of you here, you know, you butt heads and you don't get along. And it can get so bad sometimes that you might even think, man, they are my enemy. Okay? They're not. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. No, this one right here, they're not your enemy. This is your brother. This is your sister. This is your neighbor. This is the one that God has laid in your path. This is the gift that God has given to you. Yeah, but they do this or this about them. And a lot of times what ends up happening is the conduct of our spouse will repel us. Repel us. I'm out of here. You know, when you walk out the door sometimes. But the conduct of your spouse, especially the failures of your spouse, should not repel you. It should compel you to say, you know what, Lord, something is wrong here. And a lot of times the things that they're doing that, you know, bug you or whatever it is, is because they are hurting so deeply inside. And you need to know that as they're going through those challenges, whatever it is, wherever they're at in life, God has called you as a spouse 
to help them. That's for both husbands and wives. You know, I was reading through the Bible recently, and I've been reading the Bible in the New Living Translation. Don't do that. I could, only I could do that, okay? <laughs> I teach from the New King James, the inspired version. But sometimes the New Living Translation, you know, it'll kind of mix it up a little bit. And it's a little bit easier to understand. But the other day I was going to the book of Genesis chapter 30, and I'll be honest with you, man, it just broke my heart. Listen to the way this version puts it. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. And so Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, the Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. It says, she soon became pregnant again, gave birth to another son, she named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. And then she became pregnant again the third time and gave birth to another son. She named him Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me, since I have given him three sons. And when I read this, I just wept. I said, Leah, her husband did not love her. And she was trying to do all these things and she was having kids. And then, you know, another kid, another son. And she was thinking, maybe now he'll love me. Man, is that your wife? If I was to go up to your wife today and ask her, does your husband love you? What would she say if she was honest? Well, there should be no, no hesitation, no reservation. She should be able to say, my husband loves me. And if we're not loving our wife, and if you're not loving your husband, then I'm telling you right now, you are way off. You're way off. Yeah, but I'm doing all these things in the ministry. Yeah, you are. And one day it's all going to crumble. And you'll stand before God. And he's going to say, well, how'd you do? Did you get her a house? No, that's not what he's going to ask, huh? Did you love her? Yeah, but she repels me. <laughs> Let it compel you. Let it draw you to the one that God wants you to reach out to. Looking at the Good Samaritan, the first thing I see is identification. Don't identify your spouse as an enemy. Okay? Second thing I see is compassion. We saw that in verse 33 and 34. That when this Samaritan saw this man that had fallen among the thieves... Stripped of his clothing, wounded and half dead. It says that he had compassion on him. And that's how we should see him. Well, look at the problem that they have, Manny. This is, look at this issue that they have. It just, oh man, they're so whatever. And you're like, it should move us to compassion. 
compassion for them, sympathy, pity, concern for the misfortunes of others. That's the way the Lord is, Psalm 145.8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Lamentations 3.32, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion. Lamentations talks about, though, he causes that grief. God will give us compassion according to the multitudes of his mercy. We see the identification. We see the compassion. We see the provision. You know what they did. They just gave. They started giving. They started giving. They started doing. They started reaching. They started acting. They started moving. We have to start doing that. That's when there's real compassion. It moves you. The, the Greek word talks about the bowels, man. It just starts stirring up inside of you. And God moves you. And in this case, we see that he, he brought the wine, he brought the oil, he bandaged him up, he put him on his beast of burden, he took him to the hotel, he paid his way, and he said, listen, if there's anything else, I'll tell you what, I'll pay for it, I'll take care of it for you as husbands, for you as wives. That means that you've got to start giving, you've got to start investing. You've got to start spending your life for your spouse. Very important. And in looking at all these things, we see what Jesus says in verse 36. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Really what he's saying is, is which one loved him? And I wonder, as God would look in this room tonight, if he was to ask that question, which one loved their spouse? Man, I hope and pray it would be you. And he said, nah, he who showed mercy on him. <laughs> and then Jesus said this to him, go and do life. I really believe that that's what the Lord laid on my heart. I really believe that that's what God wants us to come away with tonight. You know, don't look at your spouse through your distorted lenses. Look at your spouse through the, the lenses of the Lord. And as they're there, and as they're hurting, and as they're going through things, and we all are, I am. I was so blessed last night to be able to open up with my wife and to tell her, some of the deepest hurts that I'm going through right now. And we all are going through things. Some of the things that are just so heavy on my heart. And just to pour out my heart to her last night. And then she just said, snap out of it. No, she didn't. <laughs> no, she didn't. She just said, you know what? And then she started sharing. And then even today, she's text messaging me these things words of encouragement, things the Lord's showing her. And together, I pray that she would help me become the man that I want to be. And I pray that God would use my life to help her become the woman that God wants her to be. That's what marriage is, guys. Where God wants us to have this in our heart. 
I pray that the Lord would give you his love. I pray that the Lord would just shower you, would change you, would encourage you. I want to close real quick by singing a couple of Stephen Curtis chapters. Sometimes I'll talk to couples that are older and, you know, they've gone through a lot of things. And, uh, you know, and usually when you talk to couples that are older, man, they've gone through some difficulties. And it's kind of cool when you see, you know what, um, not only are they still together, but they've grown through those experiences. Uh, I was watching a, a, a special, I think you might even be able to see, see it still, it's on the Gospel Music Channel, it's about Stephen Curtis Chapman, and um, it's a really it's a really good uh, documentary, I mean, it kind of shook my world, because, uh, you know, I kind of thought that Stephen Curtis Chapman was, you know, pretty much perfect, and um, <laughs> when they first got married, man, they had some heavy, heavy, heavy problems, he would even punch holes in the wall. Stephen Curtis Chapman, man. They've gone through their hard times. Um, and we go through our hard times. Everybody here is different. You know, but God taught them things. And God changed their life. And you know, when I read the lyrics to some of his songs, I just see, man, you know what? You can tell that this man right here has once again fallen in love. I really encourage you guys to do that with your spouse. It says right here, I will take a heart whose nature is to be for me alone and fill it up with you. Make all your joy and pain my own. No matter how deep a valley you go through, I will go there with you. And I will give myself to love the way love gave itself for me and climb with you to mountaintops or swim the raging sea to the place where one heart is made from two. I will go there with you. And I pray you guys that you would have that in your heart. No matter what it is, the mountaintops, the raging seas, the difficulties that we will experience in life, I pray that we would walk away even tonight from this fellowship, this food, this Bible study with a renewed commitment to have that right relationship with God individually and then that right relationship with our spouse you know, as a family, just loving you know, the way that we're supposed to. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. Now, Father God, I just pray right now, Lord, for uh, every couple here, myself included, Lord, that you would allow us to catch that vision, Father God, of really what life is all about uh, for us as married couples here, Lord, that we would seek you, Lord, and love you with everything that we are. And that we would love our spouse, our, our neighbor, our grandfather, our friend, 
forgive even as we love ourselves. I pray, Lord, that for myself, for everyone here, that we would catch this vision that, God, you would allow us to really look at our spouse and all, all the things that they're going through and just cry out and ask you, Lord, help me, Lord, to help them, to reach them, to pick them up, Lord, and to carry them. I just thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity we have to continue, Lord, to seek you. And just as uh, I pray for every husband here today, every wife here today, Lord, I, I just beg of you, I implore, I plead, I cry out, Lord, please, please bless these marriages. Amen.